On today's podcast, we have Drew Riley. This is one of the most inspirational stories I've ever heard from a sales rep. So anybody in the sales industry, whether it's commission, real estate, door-to-door, whatever, this is an incredible story about somebody that made good money. He didn't sell a company. He didn't have a huge cash influx, anything like that. He just took his sales commissions every year for eight years and built his net worth to $22 million from door-to-door sales. None of the content on the podcast is financial advice from either Drew or myself. This is just two people discussing our personal philosophy on money and investing. I hope you enjoy it. All right, Drew, thanks for coming on, man. Of course. Happy to be here, man. I'm Beautiful so spot. stoked on, uh, on this podcast, man, because I just think your story's incredible, and I believe in... I don't believe in handouts and you just, you, your story, like you just earned it good old fashioned way. Yeah. So it's rad, dude. So Try let, to. Let's, let's get into it. Um, what's your background? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in California. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. San Diego, San Diego, San Diego, North County area. Yeah. Like Carlsbad or what? more in inland. Like Vista. Escondido. Escondido, dude. North of Escondido. Uh, we used to call it Escondido. <laughs> really? Who's we? Where, have you, when have you been out there? I, that's where I served my mission. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm really from Valley Center. Okay, Valley Center. Which is like, north of Escondido. Yeah. So that was out there. Native reservations. That's where yeah. I'm from, man. Dang, Ramona, Julian, mm-hmm. tons of stuff out there. So big family. Brother still lives in La Jolla. Parent, or grandparents live in Valley Center. Okay. But most of us have moved out. I love San Diego. So do I. I like to visit San Diego. Yeah. Now. Yeah. It's a sick area. Yeah. I don't know if I would live there, but I like to visit. Yeah. I mean, if I lived on the beach, I could live there, but, but yeah, I like visiting for sure. So growing up, what were you like? Like high school, college, hustling? Dude, so growing up, parents had five boys, then a girl. So we were ultra competitive. Six kids. Six kids. Bunch of boys beating each other up. Yeah. One of them actually passed away when he was six. Oh, the man. youngest Sorry boy. But age of Trevor, me, Bo, four boys, my daughter, all division one athletes. It was crazy. Really? The older brother played in the NFL. Next oldest brother played college basketball. I played for a little bit. Younger brother played at University of Hawaii, quarterback. Sister played at UVU, track and wow. field. We were just like Dude, I had no idea. Man. That's sick. Yeah, just compete. You got to you gotta fight for everything. <laughs> every <laughs> so, meal, as every been, piece like, of clothing. Get-togethers where you guys are ever getting in fights, where like arguments or you're pl- out playing basketball or something. Oh, yeah. We just cheated. did it, man. Yeah, we just had five days together, and it's really? like – but it's just objective, clean – Fun, like no one yeah. gets offense, man. Like, like once you end it, yes. it is what it is. Everything was on the court, dude. We're gonna compete. We're, we love to argue, love to debate, we love to get into stuff. But yeah. then it's like we stand up two seconds later and we're just shaking hands and totally forget about it. That's legit. So did you have did you have a job like in high school and stuff or no job? We sports. Yeah, we play all played four sports. Okay, basketball, volleyball, track, football. There's just parents had a rule, man. If you play sports, yeah, and you do good in school. No job. We'll take care of you, put you in the camps, put you in the sports, but you need to compete, go to practice, um, do well in school, and everything's taken care of. I like that. Do you think you'll do that for your kids? Yeah. Same thing? I mean, I think my my wife was raised in a big family, and she she wasn't given as many opportunities. And, like, someone like me, you take it for granted. It's like, 
Mm. Dude, it takes a lot for your parents to sign you up for sports. Yeah, it's time and money. Yes, and just to take you to practice, man. What did your dad do? He's construction. Okay. So grandpa owned a construction business, and we would always, you know, go to job sites and see stuff and see the business. But, you know, we never really had normal jobs. It was just, hey, athletics, school, and we would always have side hustles, man. Like me, I was always selling stuff on the Internet, always finding ways to make money. You know, just a young entrepreneurial mind, anything I could buy low, sell high, find value. It's just, yeah, I try to do that. You know, it's crazy. Cause I, I remember like I did that all through college, snowmobiles, dirt bikes, buy low, sell high. I know it's an easy concept. And like it, to me, I wasn't even thinking entrepreneurship and do your own. It's just like, I just hustled to make money. It's just like, yeah, it's just a vehicle. Dude, after high school, the crazy story is like on the brink of the 2008 recession, in San Diego, diesel is literally selling for like $6 a gallon. And it's like wiping out family businesses we own. Like, not we own that we know. I remember this time when gas just shot clear yes. up. Yes, yeah. that was before the housing market crashed. Gas had never precursor. been high historically. So it was, like, it was actually a huge deal at this time. So we have friends who own chicken ranches, cattle ranches, like construction, using hundreds of gallons of diesel. And it's just like wiping them out. Mm. Well... Meanwhile, in Tijuana or in Mexico, it's a state-ran fuel network. There's only one gas company in the whole country, Pemex. They were selling diesel for like two fifty a gallon. So it's like, hold on here. Diesel in America is six. In Mexico, it's three. Why don't we just go buy it for three and sell it for five? Yeah, drive an hour down there. Whatever. Yeah. So like my brother and I had this hustle where we were literally like going to Mexico, filling up like fuel tankers, <laughs> no hundreds of gallons and driving across the border and Dang. filling up our friends tractors that's sick saving them a dollar gallon it's like there's just so many ways like that for people to yeah. find a hustle you know so in college you're playing ball and then post-college or coming out of college you got into door-to-door yeah okay through out of necessity for what because i wanted to do real estate okay uh, to find cash you know what gave you the real estate bug like how did you how did you get that bug so the real estate bug i had some extended family members that made a lot of money in it and growing up like our family you know we were in athletics my grandpa ran a successful construction company but the other half of our family which we didn't see very often they were in storage units they were doing rentals they were doing you know apartments so when we come and hang out with them or visit them, like we would see like, dude, these guys are living different, man. Like yeah. they're, they're living a different type so of life. You just knew like coming out of athletics, you want that life, you want that freedom. So you're like, I just got to do what they did. Yeah. Probably. And then I tried it. So I bought my first house when I got married, picked up a duplex. And it was one of those deals where like I bought the house for 200,000. It appraised in South Provo. Okay, South Provo. Four blocks south of campus. So you're playing ball. So it's one you could live in because it's yes. in Provo. Okay. I'm playing ball. I'm renting a bedroom for 500 bucks. I'm about to get married and I'm going to pay 900 bucks. And I'm just doing the math here. I'm living on a scholarship check of 1000 bucks a month, broke. And I'm just like, dude, if I, if I get married and have to pay married rent, like, Dude, that's a lot of money. For and, sure. you know, I'm doing the math where it's like, I just paid rent 500 bucks a month for this room. I've lived here for a year. 
it's like, well, what do I have to show for it? Yeah, nothing. Nothing. I just paid this just guy. Paying somebody else's bills. $6,000. Yeah. So then you start doing the math and it's like, well, hold on here. These duplexes are 200 grand. You can buy it on an FHA loan with three and a half percent. Yeah, three and a half percent. So it's like seven grand. It's like, I don't have seven grand, but I just paid seven grand last year, basically. Yeah. So I'm like, dude, if I can get seven grand, then I'm going to have a payment of 1300 bucks. I can rent the, the top other half. Yeah. For 1300. I can live for free. That's going to save me 900. I'm like, dude, I got to no figure this out. Yeah. So I'm like, well, dude, where did I get 7,000 bucks? My brother was out selling, just hitting me up weekly. Dude, I'm making these checks, man. They're crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, if I go work for you, I only have like a couple weeks, man, in the off season. Like, yeah, with football. I, yes. That's a lot going on. Yes. And I'm like, dude, I'm trying to get married. I need some money to buy a ring and a down payment for a house. He's like, dude, I got you. Just come out here to Lubbock, Texas. I'm like, all right. So I like go out there all in. And Lubbock was sick at the time. Like that was one of those yes. spots that was like money, right? And we weren't working for Vivint at that point. It was, oh, okay. He was working for um, Vision Security. Okay. So we were just scooping Vivint's, man. Easiest deal of all time. <laughs> it was literally just, I was trained on the takeover game. He's like, dude, just go to these That's orange sick. signs. They're all four years old and they all pay in this price. They want yeah. new stuff. Just undercut them and boom. Day one, I sold like three. I'm like, dude, wow. this is too easy, man. Wow. So it was ended up selling a bunch that couple weeks, made, paid me up front. Made your 10 grand or whatever you yes. needed probably. Came back, bought the ring, saved the money. Long story short, bought, bought the, the home. Sick. The home I bought for 200, it appraised for 220. So I'm like, dude, this house is worth 220. I'm only paying two. I'm walking into 20 grand equity here. Yeah. It's saving me 900 bucks a month. Just hearing you even tell this story right now, like the numbers you're throwing out just sound, it almost makes your stomach hurt because like those numbers just don't exist. No. Like you're talking about a duplex in yeah. Provo for 200 G's. Like <laughs> the one next to me crazy. just sold for like 750, Sudden, right? It's yeah. like, Freak. but it just got my mind turned. I'm like, totally. dude, I have no money. So I bought the house, bought the ring. I was broke again. But I was like, okay, back Broke to zero. in a good way, though, because you just bought an asset. Yes. Yeah. But it might it messed me up because I'm like, dude, I can, like, create $20,000 no. of equity by buying good, yeah. finding deals, manipulating cap rates or finding out rents. This was before, before house hacking was a term. This was in 2000 and you know, 12 or 13. And you say house hacking because you bought it, you lived in one unit and then you're renting out the other to try and offset your mortgage. Yes. Basically. Three bedrooms up, two down, terrible down, like seven foot ceilings, moldy, no heater. Just right. like the classic old school Provo. And apartments. it's like, well, babe, let's go live down because if we rent up, it's three bedrooms. We can get 400 a room <laughs> and it has heat and AC. We'll get more money. Yeah. You know, it's like, so we lived down, like we grunged it, but hard. Sweet. Mold everywhere. But like, dude, I just got the bug, man. So. So that started the bug right there. Yes. I'm like, dude, you can make some money in this game. Okay. The problem is like, I did it the easy way, which you can only do that card a few times, three and a half down, whatever. Sure. If you want to really, really get in the game, like you got to start writing some checks, man. For sure. It was 20% down payments. Those are big checks. They get you. So I'm like, hey, I want to get in this game. I studied the game in college. I did a lot of real estate classes, real estate finance, 
deep into stuff about value cap rates, operations, NOIs, like took multiple courses on that, studied entrepreneurship, got out of college, buddies are getting job offers. I'm like, nah, man, I want to do this gig, but I need some money. Yeah. Who, who, who can I get some money from, you know? And it's like, well, I did good for two weeks getting some money. Sure. I know, let's go knock some doors and get some money. Okay. And the reason was like, dude, I need to get the money. Not because I want to do this or I like it. Nah, like yeah. this is going to give me some quick cash to do what I really, really want to do. Yeah. That was my mindset going into it. Which is a good mindset because we're passionate about this at, at the company that it's just a vehicle. It's yes. not a destination. And you, I think you brought this up before we started the podcast that you see guys in their thirties, forties, still knocking doors. And you're just like, dude, I don't want to be that guy or, or be that guy. Like, but there needs to be a way to get out. There's yeah. There's gotta be a transition. And that, that's been, always been my advice. Even before I had empower, when, you know, any family would call me like, what's your advice on selling? I'm like, go do it, but have an exit strategy. Yes. Like don't do it for 10, 20 years. Go in there, work so hard, and invest everything so that you have a next step. And it's just a springboard. Oh, yeah. You just got to be real about it, right? But, dude, we take it for granted, man. Like, dude. living in this state. Because it's so available to go make oh. this kind of money. But you know, Dude, look, we'll go to a kid. It's like, hey, come work for me. We'll give you a, you know, a little bit of money up front. We'll make you 20000 in a summer. They're like, nah, too good for that. You leave the state. And you go to places like Texas, Louisiana, Florida, California, and you go talk to those kids. Yeah. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa you, I can make 20000 20 in a summer. Grand. Like, dude, sign me up. That's <laughs> so true. And, but in this state, it's like, dude, yeah. we're just, it's like we're numb to it. Yeah, that's so true. And we take it for granted, man, because we're just around it so much. So walk me through, like, the progression, because you're at 50 doors now. 2012, you had that first door. I'm just so curious, like your story along the way. Yeah. So 2012, I learned that, okay, there's, there's a card we get, which is called the owner occupied, um, conventional loan card. We get, we get one card we can play a year, which is you get the best terms when it comes to rate down payment price, um, interest rate, right. Percentage down. Like you get that card once a year, which is if you move into a house, you yeah. can put down as low as 5%. Extremely valuable card. Extremely valuable. You only get it once. So like if you don't play that card, it's gone. So when you learn about that card, it's like, all right, after I bought that house, I was like, oh, I want to go move into, I want to get another rental. And it's like, well, time out here. If you want to buy the same house you just bought and you don't move into it, number one, you can't move into it until it's been a year. But if you want to buy that house today, the one that you just paid 7,000 for, you actually need to put 20% down, which costs you 40. So I'm like, okay, the moving card is super valuable. So I got on track and I committed, I got with my wife. I'm like, Hey, we need to get on this plan where we move every year, every year yeah. until we get to a point where like, we're comfortable not having to. So we committed to it. Hey, we're going to move every year. Then we're going to work and we're going to sell. And then we're going to stack extra cash and whatever's left. That's going to be the big check. 20%, sometimes 25. And if it's enough to do one, we'll do one. If it's enough to do two, we'll do two. But the goal is first move, put down as low as possible, 5%. Yeah. Save the rest, put it down. Real so, quick, like for a listener, I mean, and I would be curious to get your thoughts on that, but 
thinking about somebody that's 22 and they're just selling, because mm-hmm. I get these questions, I'm sure you do too, that like, what do you think I should do? And it seems like the low hanging fruit is go buy a house, house hack it and be scrappy and probably move every year. Yes. Your first five or six years. Like that just seems like a no brainer. Everybody has to pay rent no matter what. So why not take advantage of the low money down card every single year, your first five or six years to get that foundation going? Dude, just people don't get that advice. The advice, which I agree with is do just buy the S and P like that's become common advice. Yeah. Just go buy the market every year, dollar cost average, buy when it's high, buy when it's low. Yeah. Buy the S and P. Okay. That's good advice. The other good advice, which is just what you said is dude, every single year you should be moving into a home. The key though, is you want to move into a home that's at or below the median. You'll never lose if you do that. Yeah. Don't go move into a million dollar banger. Totally. Go move into a home that's growing, that has uh, more people coming in than out. That's newer. Don't go move into the biggest one. Don't go move into the cheapest one. Go move into the middle, median, basement that you can rent out. You'll never lose on that. Yeah. You know? And the, it's so incredible because when you're in your 20s, that is your window to do that. Yes. When you're in your 30s and your kids are, you know, 4 to 10 years old, like, you can't be moving every year. No, it's so, hard. <laughs> so you have this window where it's like to be scrappy, that's the time to do it. Yes. And if you're selling and you're making money, it's like you're getting, you're stacking the cash to be able to put all these down payments. So it's like, cause th- those are those to really get into that game. Like, dude, that takes, that's hard, man. You got to find deals that, okay, is this the right deal? Is it going to pencil? Should I put 20% down? Is it going to cash flow after that? Yeah. Is it in a good area? Like those are hard checks to write. Totally. The other check to write that's easy is like, dude, go find the city that you want to live in. You and your wife. Go find the neighborhood you want to live in and just go buy the median house. You're not going to live there forever. Go build it. Don't go crazy on the upgrades. Buy it to where when you live it, you can rent the basement for 1500 bucks. When you move out, you can rent it and it's going to cover the mortgage. And as long as you get it and you buy it correctly, don't go wild on stuff. Yeah. It's very, very hard to lose. That's why, like when you're talking about this, I'm like, man, it's so important that because you were talking before about like buying and selling cell phones, you you told the story of buying and selling gas, buying and selling cars, whatever. I think what that teaches you when you're young and you're scrappy is you make money on the buy. Yes. And yeah, you just take that sure. principle with you the rest of your life. Because mm-hmm. really when you make money on the buy, it de-risks almost anything that you're looking at. Yes. As long as you're confident in that buy, then you're like, all right, let's, let's go. Before I came here, I was sitting in my truck. I bought a house 10 months ago for... 650,000. The folks, unbeknownst to me, which is another lesson, I, I'm technically managing that because I put them in their brand new house. I'm not even paying attention. They're short like $10,000 on the rent, right? They missed a couple payments. It's one of those things where they were solid the first five. Yeah, so that you back off a little bit. And not Dude, I don't know what's going on, man. Sure. There's so many ins and outs. It's sure. like I'm not paying attention. I yeah. go to do a day of reckoning. It's like, oh man, these people missed. One month, they've paid half, three months. Dude, you guys are short 10,000 bucks, man. But the house is now worth like 950 grand. Yeah. So I'm like, guys, let's just, if you can get out as soon as you can, I'm going to sell the thing, man. (laughs) Like, don't worry about it. Because it's like, dude, who cares about the 10 when there's maybe 300 on the bone? For sure. Right? Like, just get out and get out quickly, efficiently. Don't wreck anything. 
if y'all can get out like in a week, you're good. Yeah. Because there's a lot of meat there to be had. So Mm -hmm. like to your point, when you buy good and you buy right and you time the market right, or when you're buying good areas, all the stuff that folks worry about, dude, what if the fridge breaks? Dude, who cares? Yeah. You're up 200000 on the thing, man. Yeah. Like, the fridge can break. The, yeah. you, the thing could sit empty for six months, man. Like, who it's cares? crazy. I just sold a single-family home in Florida. It's the exact same thing, except it was, it, it was a little bit worse than the fact that I had a property management company. Was he stealing? No. And the property management company called me and said, we forgot to collect rent for the whole year. Oh, shoot. So it's a brand new house. They moved in, and yeah. they never collected one check. And I'm like... That's why I hired you guys is yeah. to do one job and you never collected. But same thing, it, it appreciated so much that I'm like, I don't care. Let's just sell it. Yeah. Like, cause they were going back and forth. I didn't know if we were going to be able to get it. I'm like, let's just sell it. Yeah. And it's good. On, right. Yes. But dude, you bought right. But yeah. if you were upside down on it, then it's like, Hey then man, I got everything matters at that point, dude. Like For when sure. the AC breaks, I got to go get four bids, man. Yeah. When the, when it has to be long-term rental, hey man, I got to get the most possible. Like, yeah. And it's not saying you get reckless with your money, but like, yeah. the the fears people have about the game, like, the priorities shift, man. When you're making more money in solar, especially, it's like, dude, when you're making a lot of money in this game, the reasons you buy real estate they shift. Like, you're not buying for cash flow anymore. Like, you need some tax benefits. Like, you need some depreciation. Yeah. Or you need some appreciation. The five or six hundred bucks a month you're gonna get from the cash flow, dude, that ain't gonna change your life, man. Yeah. But depreciating that thing and and saving you a hundred grand on your taxes that year, that's like that's a huge deal. Ten years of cash flow. Yeah. So the priorities kind of shift, you know. So you guys did the house hacking thing for how many years did you do it? I mean, we've done it now. I did that house, moved into a triplex, moved into a townhome, moved into Vineyard home, another vineyard home, probably six years in a row. Wow, that's incredible. And then on the side is when I started doing some fun deals, man. So, like what? you know, we were moving. My brother's playing in the NFL. My other brother starts making good money. So, like, my wife and I separately, we've picked up, you know, townhomes, duplexes, triplexes. But me and my brothers have been able to do some fun projects, man. I've been able to get them into a nine unit condo complex in South Provo. Um, a 40 acre Airbnb mansion in Heber city, 8,000 square feet that we rent out, um, a motel project. Right. So, you know, we've kind of graduated where it's like, you don't need to do that stuff anymore. Yeah. We would move yeah. into a home and then we would, you know, you're playing this game where it's like, okay, I got an extra hundred, 150 this year. I had a decent year selling, maybe have an extra couple hundred. All right. Where's the deal at? What's cool about my story is that I haven't been constrained to like one asset class, which is where folks get like messed up Mm -hmm. is they're like, oh, I want to do single family or I want to do condos or I want to do duplexes. Me, I was always like, dude, I'm going to do where the deal is, man. And the first year was, hey, we're going to pick up this seven unit condo project. I can put in a lot. I'm a little bit short. Let's bring my brothers on and let's knock this thing out. Um, There's another duplex by... Provo that pops up. Hey man, that's going to, it's going to take 70. Well, let's do it. We have another hundred left. Let's go knock out a couple townhomes, you know? So I always tried to find the deal non, you know, non obligatory of whatever the asset class was. Yeah. So that your makes brother, sense. And let me know, but if your brother's in the NFL, I'm, I can't imagine he's doing a lot of research. You're no. the one 
bird dogging the deals, researching it, everything, and he's just throwing in some money. Yes, like a money partner. And I've only partnered with my brothers. Yeah, I haven't done any other deals with anyone else because my brothers and I are so tight. Where I literally, it was one of these, these deals. And sorry, my voice kind of messed up. I was sick the last three days, but yeah, there's the deals where I say, "Hey, bro, I got a deal." Here's what it is. Here's what it's worth. Here's what the rent is. Here's what it could be worth. Here's what we need. You know, cool, man. Where do I wire the money to? Just send it here. Boom. <laughs> there's no contracts. There's no paperwork. It's yeah, the speed of trust, man. Pretty incredible. Stephen R. Covey, like to yeah. the T. Yeah. Hey, I got a deal, man. I need to know, are you in or out? I'm in. Do you trust me? Yes. Send the money. Not sometimes, dude, here's my bank account. Login. Go in there and write yourself a check. You know, Damn. the speed of trust being so high, we're like, that's where we're able to act yeah. fast and knock down some of these deals, you know? Sweet. So you, it sounds like you've done a little bit of everything. Some multifamily storage. Not storage yet. Okay. I've done duplexes, triplexes, ta condos, townhomes, single family homes, Airbnbs. Um, last year did a 16 room motel up in Heber on Main Street, which is going to be sweet. Okay. We're operating that just as a little motel in the process of are you gonna switch it to airbnb i've or, tried it but we do long term there okay we like rent it to a bunch of construction okay. workers but that one we're in the process of tearing down building like a hundred unit complex that's going to be our first like big, big big one big one that's sick a lot of single family homes last okay. year um the vacation homes i love yeah so that's what i was going to ask you now that you've kind of seen a lot of stuff what's been your favorite the favorite's definitely been I like the Airbnb market. It's fun, man. It's just fun. It's fun to be creative. They mm -hmm. perform incredible. And um, you can really extrapolate a lot of value from places, you know? Yeah. Where have you done those? Heber, Vineyard, Orem, St. George. Um, what part of St. George? Uh, Coral Canyon. Okay. Are you finding that those have the highest margin? Yes. On like cash flow perspective monthly. Yes. Yeah. If you do them right. If you do them right. So do you manage them? Uh, I do those ones, yes, because they don't take a lot of work. That one you're more managing the system. Who's the cleaners? Who's in charge if there's damage? And who am I letting come in this place? But you just let all the bookings go through Airbnb, VRBO, mm -hmm. wherever. A lot of requests come in. You're just kind of screening them. Yeah, I'll take that one, take that one, pass on that one. Cool. Are you going to be doing more of those in the future? Yes. I'm guessing. Do you have any areas you're excited about? You know, I th mostly it's the areas that I like to visit. Yeah. So like a lifestyle asset. When you look at those, it's kind of like, all right, where do I go a lot? How much am I paying to go here? You know, do I like where I'm going? And can I do it better, basically? So this whole thing started because growing up, my grandpa always had a place in Deer Valley. And that was like our family spot incredible spot once a year like family goes to deer valley in the spring we go skiing there all the cousins load the house up That's go skiing sweet. it was like set it was on the calendar like dude this is our spot long story short ended up getting out of it had to sell the place as part of a business deal and then Dang like it. that was kind of like stripped from us like dude this vacation we have a year is like gone and we we stopped getting together for like probably close to four years wow and our family's like tight. It's you know, my parents have six kids. My dad has a brother and a sister. They all have kids and cousins and my grandparents. So like we were this tight unit all grew up within 10 minutes of each other. We'd vacation three times a year with each other. Mm. So we don't go on like a reunion for like three years. 
we ended up booking this place in Bear Lake to do like this, our first family reunion after three to four years. Yeah. We show up there, half the family stays in a beautiful home on the lake, resort style, like little garage, butted up to the lake, sea-doos, all the toys. We go rent a house, show up there, we're crammed, AC units break, it's not comfortable. It's just like, it's kind of a mess, man. But we loved being together, it was together. awesome. Yeah. So I'm up there and then I'm like, I had flown in from selling alarms in Louisiana. My brother flew in with his family. He's still playing the NFL. Other brother came in from uh, California and I'm literally flying back to Louisiana. I'm in the airport and I'm just like, dude, I'm not waiting until I'm 50, man, to have one of these places. Like, I'm going to figure out how to do it and we're going to do it now. I'm going to find us a place. We have the money. We're going to buy it. We're going to operate it. It's going to pay for itself, maybe make some money. I ain't waiting until I'm 50, man. Like, I'm not going to do what we just did. We just paid 10,000 bucks to rent this place. So I literally get on the computer. He where has lakes, you know, mountains. And I'm like, dude, Heber City is the spot, man. And literally find a place in the airport. No yeah. way. Yes, 40 acres, water wow. rights, 10,000 square feet, eight bedrooms, can sleep 50 people. And they were selling it, and it was stuck on the market for a while. It had some weird kinks to it. You know, there's an easement going through it. There's a divorce issue. There's liens on it. And I'm like, dude, this is the spot, man. Hit my brothers up. I'm like, hey, we need to knock this place down. I think we can buy it. I think I can get it rented. It'll pay for itself and we'll make some money. Fast forward a year later, we got the deal done. The thing brings in probably close to 150, 200,000 bucks a year. Wow. We use it twice a year. Wow. It's a pure cash cow. And it's just like, you know, it was a great testament to me. It's like, dude, these types of things, man, like you don't need to wait till you're 50 or 60 to do this stuff, man. Just like go for it. you can figure this stuff out. Is this at the bottom of Timber Lakes? No, this one's by the airport east of it. Oh, okay. As you're going like up Daniel to Daniel Summit. It's technically in Daniel. Yeah. Cool. Man, that's awesome. You haven't been selling for a couple of years, right? Not really. I'd love to hear like the story of transitioning out of selling. Cause I think anybody that does door to door, that's what they look forward to. Yeah. Like, how do I get out of this? Yes. So what's your story with that? Dude. So at Vivint, like they were paying us residual, you manage, like you build up residual income. There was a big stock play there, which was real, you know, and, yeah. um, for someone like me, I had managed teams. I had somewhat of a network, like I was given some stock and, you know, but I was building up my real estate business, which was giving me residual income. Vivint's paying me residual income, but the problem is it's like tied to production. So like the folks at Vivint got a raw deal because they were getting sold on residual and stock. And I'm telling these guys, I'm like, dude, this is not real residual because they could shut it off like any day. Yeah. And they would shut it off a lot. Like if you didn't go out and sell one month, like you'd wake up and you're not getting a three to five thousand dollar check yeah and you're like dude what's up where's my money like well we need you to go do a b c and d it's like these people own you yeah so i'm telling them like guys you need this is not real man so i figured that out then the stock play happened and it went great for the first two months and then you know kind of went south obviously but i was still selling a little bit started to get into solar and on the real estate side i'd built up a good amount of residual income but also i just had built up a ton of equity, you no, know, not due to me. I, everything I owned was in Utah County and it's just, just the market going up stuff and, went crazy. Yeah. And so 
I got just acquiring a lot of assets over time. It, it compounds. Yes. But I was buying these deals where like, I got so good at, you know, building homes with builders where I'd give them like a little deposit, like, Hey man, here's 2,500 bucks, man, go build me a house. I'll see you in 10 months where I need to put down 20%. The home is done. I'm locked in at a price of like 350 grand. I'm buying it and it's worth 450 grand. So I'm doing these deals consistently where I'm walking into big amounts of equity. They're renting well, they're going up where I'm knocking doors and I'm like, dude, knocking doors is costing me money because I'm out here doing this. I'm managing people. I'm spending time. But like, if I spent this time in my real estate business, like, dude, I could make millions and millions of dollars because that's what it's made me, you know? Um, so knocking doors literally got to a point where it's costing me money, which is crazy to think of. Yeah, totally. You know, it's like, especially in the solar gig, man, you go do good work in solar. Like there's no reason you don't make two, three, 400,000 if you do it right. hundred percent. And if you really, really do it right, it's like, you guys are making millions of dollars, yeah, man. Building teams and all that yes. stuff. Yes. Yeah. But when you do the real estate game, right, it's like, man, I mean, you sit back in your sleep and it's like, I went from my real estate portfolio being worth $15 million to less than a couple of years later, it's, I woke up one day and it's worth like $22 million. And I'm like, dude, I just made a money here. I didn't even do anything. I'm just a product of this ship on a wave going up, man. Like, <laughs> am I going to go knock doors today to make a thousand dollars? Like, yeah, probably not, man. Like I got to figure out what to do with this equity, man. I'm in a different type of game right now. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So that's when you're like, I'm not going to knock anymore. No, I'm like, dude, I don't need to knock. I, yeah. you know, I had my wife, we had three children in a matter of four years, which also kind of sped the process up. For it's sure. like, Hey babe, like you can't be doing this anymore. Yeah, like the summer thing. And yes, yeah. I learned a lot about price and cost, which is an ex important lesson for people, man. They get confused between what the price of something is what the cost is like if you go look at a hundred thousand dollar truck and a hundred thousand dollar tesla right well what's the price 100 grand on each it's the same yeah okay well what does it cost you those are two different costs man that truck you bought for a hundred might only be worth 50 in a couple years the tesla might be worth 90 in a couple years okay well what does it actually cost you sure the trucks in my truck, man, it cost me 150 bucks to fill up every three days to fill that thing yeah. up. I'm almost so 300 bucks a week. Yeah. So you're spending, you know, at least a thousand a month. Dude, a Tesla might only cost me 50 bucks a week, man. Yeah. So like price and cost is an interesting lesson because sure. in this game, like people have to realize like when you knock doors, there's a price to that. Like you got to go out, be in area, relocate, spend some time. But dude, there's a cost, man. Like you're going to miss some family reunions. You're going to miss some weddings. You're going to stick your wife at home. You're going to miss your kids, man. Like there's a serious price to pay hundred percent. And like, if you're not straight on what the cost is compared to the price, you're going to get to a point where the cost outweighs the price. Yeah. Like you'll go and knock doors and you'll make some money. But dude, if your wife's stuck at home and she's depressed and you're missing your kids yeah. first steps and you're not coaching their baseball games, like, yeah, dude, that's, that costs you a lot more than the that goes back 5,000 bucks you're making that week, man. And that's the exit strategy, right? Yes. Cause that there will come a time when that, that plane crosses, the price will exceed the cost. It will. But to go to those first couple years 
everything that you did allowed you to do these deals. If you were working a nine to five at Adobe, you wouldn't have had these chunks of cash to be like, deal here, deal here, yes. deal here. So that's, that's opportunity. The trick is you just got to plan your exit and do it at the right time. Cause if you get stuck in it for 20 years and you're still knocking, that's a problem. And you have to be disciplined during the process, man. Like when you get a paycheck, the natural mind has this thought process where they say, man, I got $20,000 in my bank account. We play this game where we go and we, we spend all of it in our mind. Yeah. Where we like, like, I just got this money. What could I spend it on? It's a pie chart. People live with a pie chart and the, it's the stuff's always revolving. Okay. I got 20,000. Okay. That's, I got, I can pick up a purse for five grand. I can pick up a pair of shoes for 200 bucks. I can go on vacation to Europe, which costs me five. I can drive this car and finance it, which is 2000 bucks a month, man. Like we play this pie chart where when money comes in, yeah, this natural man is we like figure out ways to divvy it up. You know, it takes a lot, a lot of discipline to say, hey, man, I got some cash. Okay. Number one, I'm going to save it, which is hard. And then number yeah. two, I'm going to give it away, man. I'm going to invest it in this asset and I'm not going to live or off of this 20 grand, you know, or in real world, it's 50 or a hundred. I'm going to take that hundred and I'm going to buy an asset and that asset is going to produce cash. And, and then I'm going to live off of the cash the asset produces, which is a lot less than the hundred thousand. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if I took that hundred and balled out, I could live a crazy life yeah. for a month. Oh, but, I was just thinking about that. Like if you, that whole time, cause you sold from 2012 to 2020. Mm-hmm. So eight years yes. and you were scrappy. You guys were moving houses every year. And we were going to zero multiple times a year. Like legitimately were, zero. But you were investing that. And yes. if, if we would have rewinded that period and you would have been spending that on sick trucks and vacations and all this stuff, and you would have had a phenomenal life, but you'd have zero assets. Yes. But because you were scrappy and you were living poor, but in a, a good poor where you're like, here's a chunk, let's invest it here, invest this, invest this. Now you have $22 million plus of assets. And it's like, that's incredible from eight years of knocking doors. And, but you still get the stuff, man, but it's just discipline. Yeah. Like you got to look your wife in the eye and say, Hey, you're looking at our bank account. There's a hundred thousand bucks in there. Like pump the brakes. Like don't go on a spree here. Like I need (laughs) you to be with me here. Like I know it's hard to not go on Nordstrom and be on the computer all day long and just start buying stuff. Like hear me out. Like we're going to take that hundred, we're going to go buy $500,000 worth of real estate, but you know, a hundred is a 20, yes, a hundred is 20% of 500. So we can go pick up a $500,000 building. That building is going to produce rent. The rent is going to cover the debt. There's going to be an excess of 1500 bucks a month. The 1500 bucks a month, babe, we can spend all of it. So we're going to adjust our lifestyle, not to the hundred we have, but to yeah. the 1500 bucks we're going to get. Cause that's reoccurring. Yes. Yeah. So what would you like to do with 1500 extra bucks a month? Oh, let's go out to dinner a few more times. Great. Or let's save a few months and go on this vacation. Great. Well, my car payment's only 400 bucks right now. What if I pick up this car and it would be 800? Great. Do it. Yeah. Like let's live off the 1500. And then you do it again, you know, and now it's 3000, now it's 4,500, now it's 6,000. It's like, okay, you know, we got an extra 1500 bucks. 
what do we do? Yeah. Oh, let's pick up a razor. Let's pick up a, a sports car. Let's go pick up a vacation home or let's donate yeah. more to charity. Like it's a shell game, man. And if you can be disciplined and save and wait to get the stuff, man, like don't pay for the stuff in active income. Yeah. I've always thought that like if you're selling any type of sales commission job and you get a big commission check, I've never viewed that as income. Yeah, but a lot of people do, man. Because it's that's one and done. Yes. That doesn't mean anything. No, nothing's coming tomorrow based off that check. So for you, when you get that like that fifteen hundred dollars and you know it's coming in, are you a lot more likely to finance like a razor or a car? Because you're like, yeah, I got this monthly check coming in, I can pay a monthly bill. Yeah, because in theory, dude. I mean, a lot of stuff I've paid cash for, which is nice. Like, yeah. I'm not trying to be over leveraged. Like, I'll be leveraged in real estate, but cars, toys, whatever, like, I'd love to pay cash for that. Okay. But the theory is, like, yes, like, if you have, like, I bought a GT3 last year, GT3 RS. And just being truth be told, that's a $200,000 car. I had the money, but... I'm looking at it saying, okay, if I buy this car, dude, who knows, man, this is, this is a toy. It could be worth a hundred next year. Yeah. It just so happens they're going up, but like, it's not an asset. It's purely no. a toy. Dude, the bank will loan me money on this thing at two and a half percent. No, actually UCCU gave me a loan at 2.25%. So I'm looking at it saying, okay, I got 200,000 bucks. If I buy the car, it could be worth a hundred next year. I lose a hundred. A bank will loan on the car at 2%. Dude, my payment's like 2000 bucks. If I take the 200 grand, I can go buy a million dollar building. Yeah, set. Yeah. Dude, that mi what can I make on 200 grand? I can make a hell of a lot more than 2%. Yeah. Historically, I'm making 15 yeah. to 30% a yeah. year. So I'm going to make 15 to 20% of my money. It's going to produce cash. Take the cash, pay the debt, and there's some surplus. And the theory is like, dude, when you have residual income from assets, you can spend every dollar of it because that ain't going away. Yeah. Like if you're getting 6,000 bucks a month, you can legitimately spend $6,000 and go to zero because on the fifth of the next month, it's all coming back. Yeah. So you adjust your lifestyle, not on earned income. Yeah. On passive income. I actually have the exact same mindset on, th on this principle, but I I've noticed it's probably a newer aged mindset. I think the old school mindset is like pay everything cash. But I've noticed in my personal life, anybody that's ever taught me that doesn't do a lot of investing. And so they just view the value of that cash differently Yes, because they're not investing with that cash. Yes. Dude, to me, it's just pure arbitrage, man. Yeah, And paying off arbitrage. your house and stuff, like, dude, there's theories to that, which yeah. I get. Yeah. I'm not going to say yes or no to, but from a financial fundamentals, like I learned this lesson in college, man. Professors up there, big auditorium. He says, hey, I need a student. Come up here. He goes, we're going to play a game. You give me a dollar, okay, and I'm going to give you two back. So the student's standing there, and he says, those are the rules. Every time you give me a dollar, I give you two back. Go. The student goes and hands him a dollar. The teacher goes and hands him two. And then he stands there, right? And it's awkward silence. Everyone's like, dude, what's going on? He just stands there. Yeah. And we literally wait for like 10 minutes in pure silence. And the teacher goes, pause. Okay, game's over. And he goes, what happened there? And he's like, yeah, you, you, I gave you one, you gave me two. And he goes, well, why don't you do it again? 
I didn't he, say he it was. He didn't do it again. He just did it one time. One time. And he's like, I didn't say it was going to end. The rules are every time you give me a dollar, I give you two. So the student gave him one. He got two. And then he stood there. He's like, who wants to play the game again? A hundred hands point up, right? Well, the theory is like, dude, if I can borrow money at 2%, but my money is making me 15%, then I'm making a net of 13%. So as long as there's arbitrage where I can borrow at 3, 4, 5 and make 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, in theory, if I can make 1% and it's rock solid, dude, you do it every time. 100%. Now, right now, when, when rates are 7, 8, 9%, it's like, okay. It changes a little bit. Maybe I'm going to start paying some cash for stuff. Yeah. But that's the theory is like, dude, true arbitrage is if I can borrow at two, three, four, and I know I can make 10, 11, 12, what do you do? Yeah. I don't pay off loans. I don't pay off a house when I can borrow it at 2%. Yeah. Right now, looking back the last, I don't know, six, eight years, it's actually a very magical period in life because interest rates have been what we just spoke about. Mm -hmm. Also, the appreciation. Yes. Right. So you talk about that 200 grand, putting it in a million dollar asset and you're borrowing the 200 K at 2.25, whatever it is, that million dollar asset the last couple of years probably went up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm telling you. That's the one that so went up 300 grand you're getting low. You're getting your monthly cash flow plus yes. crazy, crazy appreciation plus depreciation on your taxes and yes. your income. Plus paying down principal. So what's the opportunity cost? It's like, it's, dude, if I would have paid yeah. cash, paying cash would have actually cost me close to 300 grand. Yeah. And, and I don't know if the, the people that gave me the advice to pay off cash factored in all those things. No. Right. And so it, it's very, we, we, you spoke about price versus cost. And this is a perfect example of that, right? If you were to make a spreadsheet on paying cash for the sick car, or taking that 200K and putting it over here and factor in your spreadsheet depreciation, appreciation, paying down principal, and your monthly cash flow. Oh, it's not even close. And give that five or 10 years, and it's like, it would be insane. Yeah. And to the theory, to the point which I get, which is like, oh man, don't take on too much day. Like, you don't yeah. want to strap yourself in. It's like, dude, I'm not paying for it, man. Like, I'm not paying for this. I had the money, I bought the asset. Yeah. Yes, it produces cash. I borrowed money on this. That cash goes to pay this. I don't have to go work or earn to pay for that. Like yeah. the building pays for that. The one thing I'll so say. So how do I, why do I care how much it's hit at? Yeah. You know, the, the one thing that I, is a hard line for me on this topic is in my personal life, the only way I'm talking about that is if I have the cash for that car. Sure. If I don't have the cash for the car, I'm not even going to buy that car, right? Like, cause that's where I think people get into trouble is they just finance, finance, finance because they want that car, but they don't have the cash to pay for that car in the first place. Or they don't have the passive income or the passive income, but earned the, income is where it gets tough. Yes. Cause if you, okay, let's say you want to go finance a bunch of stuff. That's cool. But now you wake up each month, you got a $10,000 nut between a home, a car, a razor of whatever credit cards. Adds up. So when you, when you have to go earn 10,000 a month to break even that's when you can get in trouble, man. Cause your career can go South. 100%. The economy can go South. Your job can go South. 100%. And that 10 grand is not getting paid unless you go work that's with a your big time hole to dig out every single month. Now, if you don't have to work actively, yeah. Exchange your time. Yeah. Then do whatever you want, man. Yeah. Yeah. Totally different. That that's where I think people got to be careful is that whole scenario we just spoke about. It works because there's, 
that amount of cash sitting there. Yes. Right. But due to your employees, man, that's where people get in trouble yeah. is they're like, Hey man, the ride's going good. And it's like, yeah, the ride's going good. But dude, let me tell you something. This ride could literally end in Anytime. a second. Yeah. Like out of our control. Yeah. So hundred percent. the president of the United States, the Congress, the Senate with one stroke of a pen, dude, they literally could shut the solar industry down. Yeah. Predatory lending could come out. Loans could get shut down. Um, interest rates could go up. Dealer fees could go crazy. Like, yeah. So do just because solar, any industry, right? Yes. Any industry can change. And so you don't, you never want to rely on all these, on your monthly income for all these different things and expenses you have. No. So it's change. like, dude, you got guys making five, 10, 20,000 bucks a month. And it's like, oh, I'll go finance anything. Or I'll pay for anything. Yeah. It's like, well, be a little conservative, man. Like for always sure. have some fear. Yeah. Some humility in the market, you know, what I think, Matt, what I wish anybody could learn in their twenties is I don't think people realize how many, how much in assets can, they can build if they just keep investing and they give it time. Yeah. Even yourself. I, I don't, I don't know. So this is a big assumption, but I would guess that you never assumed in 2012 or 2013 that you're going to have 20 million in assets fast forward eight years. No, and I also as a door to door sales rep. No, and I didn't understand the game fully. Yeah, like I was buying for cash flow, which was important at that time because I was broke. So yeah. to me, like five hundred bucks that's a month, oh, dude, that's crazy. I got yeah. an extra thousand a month. This is crazy. I wake up every month and got two thousand a month, like yeah. cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. I didn't understand that the richest people in the world they don't play games based on cash. They play games based on assets under management. Like I didn't understand that the $200,000 house I bought that was paying me a thousand bucks a month in three years was worth 400,000 bucks. So it's like assets under management is where you get true wealthy. You know what I mean? For sure. And if you can use leverage, it's like, well, hold on here. I can go buy a $500,000 house putting down 5%. That's 25,000 bucks. Like that same 25,000 bucks in the market. If the market goes at 5%, what did I make that month or that year? Right? Totally. I, if the market goes up 10%, 10% on 25 grand is I made 2,500 bucks. Yeah. Using leverage that 25 grand in a $500,000 asset, when the real estate market goes up 10%, it's on the asset. Yeah. So I just made 50,000 bucks in equity compared to my yeah. 2,500 bucks in the market. Dude, that's, that's a big disparity there, man. That's 10 times what I would have made in the market. And it, you, you 20 up, times. But it, it's, it's just discipline. And we know this from psychology that people would rather take a dollar today versus $5 tomorrow. And mm -hmm. they, there's countless experiments in psychology on this. And so the reason why I think a lot of people miss this ideology is that buying the purse, the car, the razor, they can get that now. They can see it now. They can yeah. go by it and see it and experience that right now where it takes a while to really experience the value in the assets that you're building. Just like the moment you had where you're sitting in your car and you're like, I got 20 million assets. <laughs> like, why am I knocking doors? Not really. Just screwed me up, man. Yeah. Like, I was like, my wife was at home. We had two children. She's stressed out. And I, when you get in these modes, man, and you, it's like, I was in this mode where it literally was earn, invest, invest go to zero, earn, For invest, sure. go to zero, go to zero, go to zero. Like I'm very comfortable being at zero. I'm close to zero right now, man, as we speak, like yeah. 
you know. But you're investing. Yeah, I'm rolling, man. Yeah. You just get in this hustle mode. It's, dude, I yeah. got to earn, 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 and I got to go invest, invest, yeah. and buy, and I'm sourcing deals, and it's just like you're sprinting, sprinting, sprinting. 100%. And then I'm just sitting in my car, and I'm reading this news article where they're like, the state of Utah went up 15% last quarter. And I'm like, dude, I don't even know what this stuff is worth, man. And someone literally asked me, like, dude, what's your residual income? I'm like, dude, I don't even know. I haven't even, I haven't even put it together, man. I've just, I've just been worried just about hustling. acquiring. Yeah. So I'm sitting in my car in Houston, Texas, pull up the Google Excel sheet, start adding stuff up, writing down the addresses. I'm like, okay, what's this thing worth? What do I owe on it? Uh, it's worth a lot. And you just go, okay, what's the rent on it? Some add of the total rent some add of the total value minus some of the of the debt yeah i'm just like dude like that's that's a lot like what am i doing here <laughs> i call my wife like hey i'm coming home man i'm done yeah and, and legitimately that, i was done like legit but you did your time you did eight years yeah but it was a discipline for sure like it was a hard discipline and I legitimately did the math the other day. I got all my 1099s from Vivint. For the eight years? For eight years. And what freaks people out is like, I can see all the money that they paid me and I can see all my down payments for my investments and it's pretty freaking close, man. So like wow. close to every dollar I got wow. from Vivint, like you legitimately invested. went into real estate properties for eight years. Wow. And, you know, to produce residual cash flow growth, whatever. That is the sickest story. It was crazy, ever. man. I love that. So people are like, oh, man, I, you know, I, if I don't have money or I have cash. But, dude, you got it. Problem is, like, when it comes in, like, you need to have the discipline to save it. Yeah. And two, man, you got to write a check, bro. And everybody wants to be in this game, man. But when you got to go put your name on a piece of paper and write a check, for everything that's in your bank account. And to your point, you got to say, man, there's a hundred in there. I could do a lot of fun stuff the next six months with a hundred, but I'm going to send it away and live lean for an extra 1500 bucks a month. 1500 bucks a month is a lot less, you know, um, glamorous than the hundred. Yeah. yeah. The real estate, it, there are some sexy aspects to it, but the long-term investing isn't sexy. No, it's the, not. The razor, the car, that's sexy. The the cars, the traveling, because you can see it. Yes. You can't really see that appreciation in your spreadsheet. No. It takes a while until that hits you. Yeah. That was a sexy moment when you added all that up. That's but a true had, story, man. I literally barely did it for eight years, man. But you didn't see any any of those sexy things for eight years. No, and it's right. the opposite. It's a lot of work. It's yeah. dude, you're dealing with stuff. Stuff's breaking. You're sourcing yeah. deals. You're battling with lenders. You're battling with builders. You're battling with partner. Not you know, trying to get money. You're trying sure. to save. It's like it's a grind, man. We talked a lot about some of the good stuff. Any any bad moments? Any lessons learned that you're like, watch out for this rock again. I don't want to trip over this in real estate. Yeah, the biggest regrets are the ones I didn't do, man, because I didn't have. I didn't have the the foresight to what we're talking about, which is like there's three reasons you get real estate for cash flow, for tax, and for wealth. Cash flow, depreciation, appreciation. Well, everything you hear from the people is oh, always buy cash flow, cash flow, cash flows first. And it's like 
Well, not real. It is till a point, man. But like when you get to a certain point, like I said earlier, 500 to thousand bucks a month isn't going to change your life. Yeah. The, de- the depreciation can be super valuable. The appreciation can be super valuable. Like if you're making a hundred grand a year and your assets go up by a hundred grand a year, I'd say that's basically a year of your life. Totally. So I missed out on a lot of deals because I was focused on cash flow, but I knew they were good deals. I knew they were going to go up. I knew I was buying mm-hmm. them right. I knew there was value there. I knew there was equity there. Yeah. But I had the priorities mixed up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you just got a little bit too focused on the cash flow and you wish you, you would have just sent I it. wish I would have bought, you know, to my fundamentals, which was this is a good asset. It's in a good city. It's going to go up. You believe in it long term. I believe in it. I'm buying it yeah. at a discount. I can add value to it. It's not going to cash flow today. It's not going to cash flow maybe for six months. It might not cash flow for a year. But if I fix it up right, you know, um, if people keep moving here, if the city keeps on growing, it's, it's going to be a home run, man. So going, how old were you when you sold your first summer? Uh, probably 21. So if you could go back to 21 and and have the same income, knock for the eight years, all that stuff. I mean, you already said one thing probably do more deals but any other things that you would do differently dude i would go harder man freaking harder yeah like you know we don't we don't really understand the opportunity man and it's like if i knew if i was in this game to start like i started in solar game man i was getting 400 bucks a deal Dude, if I was started in this game, yeah, it'd be so oh, different. Dude, it'd be game over, man. Five fifty doors would be five hundred. Yeah. That's I look at that in solar, and I'm like, you take a fifteen to twenty year security career, and just because the money's so different, you oh can, yeah, it's like a five year solar career. It's just hundred so percent. But I mean, how many more deals could you have done? Because you're getting a ton, a lot bigger checks. Dude, right? that's the thing. I was passing up on deals. I didn't have the money, man, yeah. and I could have. I didn't want to partner with people, which I could have done, but it's probably better I didn't. So I just ran out of cash, man. Back ends, the timing, and dude, deals were coming through. It's just like, dude, I don't got it, man. Yeah, you know, been in a different world. It'd be cool to run a simulation, see what you could have done through five years of solar. Oh, dude, it would have been crazy. Like big chunks coming in left and right. Which, that's what the guys I work with. That's their biggest compliment to me. Is I was never the biggest earner. Yeah. Ad like, dude, there's guys that were making, you know, double what I was, but I wasn't focused on the cash earnings. I was, I was always focused on, dude, what's my, what's my, um, net worth. Which, I might've only made a couple hundred in sales, but dude, yeah. I made double that outside of the game. Yeah. And so I was never the biggest earner, but like mm. I could always take what I earned and I, I'm good at multiplying it, you know, yeah. figuring out how to d- invest it. I, I, I multiplied it really well. Yeah. But if I would have obviously earned more, either in that game or in this game, yeah, I just know what I could have done with it. For sure. Especially in this state over the last eight years, man. Crazy. And, and I, don't, I don't see it ever slowing down just because with the lakes, the mountains, there's a finite area of land here. Yeah. That once it's full, it's full. It, I, I, I always think about the coast in California like San Francisco. And I've talked to a couple of people over the years that have came from California and they're like, this feels just like the coast did 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy, bro. Cause they, they see it filling in. They're like, where else are people going to go? It's not like Texas where you, and you look at any of the cities like Dallas, Houston, wherever, even Denver, you can keep expanding into the 
the planes, there's nowhere to expand really. No, and we have crazy assets, man. Like yeah. I just spent a week in St. George with my family, big family reunion. And for five days, it's like, okay, I lived on a golf course, my house down there. It was 20 seconds away is the clubhouse. Then we go out to San Hollow, which is 10 minutes, right? They tell my sea dudes, I drive my razor. We're on the lake all day, sand, warm lake. Take my cousins and my brother up to the top of the sand dunes, incredible sand dunes, some of the best in the country, from the same beach, drive on the beach. You know, then the next day we go hiking, we're in Snow Canyon. Then the next day I take them on this rock climbing and rappelling adventure in West St. George. And I'm, and they're just like, dude, there's so much stuff to do here. I'm like, yeah, we we haven't even gotten to mountain biking yet. Like, we haven't even been to Zion's yet. We haven't been to Bryce Canyon yet. Wow. Like, dude, there's a lot going on so here, man. It, it's incredible. And that's St. George. You look at Utah County and Salt Lake, it's like, dude, you got world-class skiing, business, talent. You know, it's, I mean. Lakes, the, rivers, all sorts of stuff. Dude, the whole state is the 15 freeway from basically Springville to North Salt Lake, like that's Utah, and then Southern Utah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, incredible. Okay, so dude, one last thing that I share a lot with when I go talk to sales teams is, yeah. like, if you really want to be good at this job, you need to not make goals. You need to make promises and obligations, man. Like, if you want to tear this job up, the problem with goals is they're too soft, man, and there's no consequences to them. So people always ask me like, dude, you know, how did you do it? And blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I legitimately would go to zero before the summer. I'd buy an asset, buy a home or something. It's day one summer, I'm zero. And during the summer, like I already have something that's like Lined under up. contract. Yeah. I have a deposit on a home that's being built. They have my money and there's a completion date. And I got to write a hundred thousand dollar check here, man. And three to four months. So like, that's an obligation. That's it. That's a promise, you know? Yeah. And so it's a lot of guys, like they might not be able to do that, but there's a difference between a goal and a promise and an obligation. And some guys I tell them like, dude, go buy the freaking car you want, man. Like go obligate yourself yeah. or like go call your mom and say, Hey, in September, I'm taking you to Hawaii. Now, the difference is if you call your mom and you're like, hey, mom, if I hit my sales goal, I'm taking you to Hawaii. She's going to say, oh, well, I hope you hit your sales goal. The other way is you say, mom, September, I'm taking you to Hawaii. I'm flying you first class. We're staying in a five-star resort. I'm paying for all your meals, all your excursion. Put it on the calendar. Book it. It's happening. That's the difference. You see me? One's a goal. 100%. One's an obligation. Yeah. You can't call your mom in September and say, hey, mom. I'm sorry, I, we're not going on the trip. I didn't hit my, I can't afford it, right? It's like, dude, people now have some consequences. So my advice, at least to you guys or anyone in sales is like, goals are good, but dude, go make yourself some obligations, man, and put some pressure on yourself where when I was selling, man, every day I woke up, I'm like, hey, I got to write a check here, man, and I, don't, I do not have it. Like, I'm committed to a job. I'm committed to... A, a project I'm committed to a house to buy. Yeah. I don't even have the money yet. I have this under contract. Yeah. hundred percent. I can see why, because oftentimes the people that come to me and are like, I don't have motivation. Usually they're the youngest people. Yes. 
And I think the reason is, is because they don't have commitments yet. No. You get a married guy with a couple of kids and a mortgage. Naturally, that's going to come. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're motivated or not. You have commitments. You have to show up. Yes. And when you have to show up, you show up. Yes. More than not. Right. But if you have goals, um, I just spoke on this last week, actually at a big event and the older I get, the less I value goals because I don't see people hit, hitting their goals. So I look back at my life and I'm like, why have I been able to create a lot of stuff I wanted to create? And for me, it, I don't think it was ever a goal. I think it was a standard. Yeah. I like an that. expectation. Mm-hmm. And I think people will always fall to their standards and their expectations could be in your relationship. If you're in a good or bad relationship, it's because that's ultimately what you're okay with in your life, right? You take your shirt off, you look at your body, however you are right now, it's, that's your standard. Yeah. That's what you're okay with, right? And it does, I just think goals are soft. I think they're actually kind of crap. So do I. I mean, I, I do goals, man, but like, not really, man, because I got, I just got crazy obligations, man. Yeah. Like, dude, last year, at any given time, I legitimately had six homes under contract that I didn't have the money for, man. Like, so, and they were coming up. It's like, Hey man, I got, I got a freaking, you gotta make it happen. So I got to write this check, bro. Like, yeah. you know, or when I'm selling, it's like, dude, during the summer and it's July or it's August and folks are fading or folks aren't finding motivation to go to preseason. It's like, dude, yeah. I can't not go work, man, because I gave these people a $15,000 deposit yeah. on a home being built and they're expecting me to give them another 70 in September. So like, if I don't have the money, I'm gonna lose 15 racks. Like I got to get to work, man. Yeah. And if I buy that house and I write that $70,000 check, like I'm going to walk into another $50,000 of equity. So I got to freaking work, man. Let's go. Like I got to go to this meeting, man. And my standards are, and my promises to myself is like, dude, I'm a, I'm a nine hour guy. Like I do not go and quit. I do. I work till the, till sun goes down plus 30. I show up to these meetings, like everything has a purpose because it all falls in line of like stuff that's happening months and months out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it it might sound kind of like gnarly or intimidating this philosophy, but once you do it, a, it's more fun and two, it's more meaningful. Yes. Everything has intent. Yeah. Every life when you're just going crazy balls out, it it is more meaningful and you're growing a lot more in the process. Right. Cause I, there's a quote with your goals. It's not what you get from your goals. It's what you become from your goals. Mm, I heard that one. And so if, if you're not motivated, there's a lot you could do, but try jumping into this philosophy. Dude, go obligate yourself, yeah. man. And do, and if you're in a job, which if you're in a sales job, like you, you can have massive swings. Like you can make five grand a month or 10 grand a month purely based on your effort. That's a fact. Yeah. So which is crazy. If you're making five and you, you have the potential to make 10. Well, what's going to get you to 10? Some people just don't got it, man. Like they just don't have that motivation to do it. So it's like, okay, go pick up a $2,000 car payment, bro. And if that's going to get you to go work harder to make an extra five, congratulations. You just netted yourself an extra three, three. Yeah. Go obligate yourself, man, to do something crazy or go call your family. Like I just basically took my family on vacation, man. They stayed at my house. They did my stuff. They drove my toys i took them places man like you burden the cost yeah but dude yeah. it's that was like my dream man like dude i want my family to come to my place totally you just show up here and i got you but you you also get the reward because it's rewarding to do that kind of stuff yeah so dude yeah. go do that for someone man go yeah. go call a charity up hey man 
in September, I'm writing you a $50,000 check. You're going to freaking write it, man. Like you're going to, you're going to make sure you got the money. And if that ain't going to motivate you to get out and work or not quit, like that's way more powerful than a goal is. Yeah. Don't just say, I want, I have a goal to write a check to charity. Nah, call the freaking charity, man. That's sick. I love it. You know what I'm saying? It's awesome advice. I think it's actually, it's life-changing advice. (laughs) That's just what just I've tried try to do, it. man. I don't yeah. do a lot of goals. Get your back against the wall and go for it. Yes. If I'm going to yeah. do something, I'm going to obligate myself to it. Like, I'm not going to put a on a whiteboard. I'm going to call the freaking charity and say, hey, it's coming. Like, I, it's not on my whiteboard. Put on your whiteboard. Yeah. You know? That's amazing. Well, Drew, thanks for coming on, man. Your story is so inspirational. And I just, I think it like just shows the power of discipline and just being able to tuck it away. And it kind of reminds me of like the millionaire next door. Just somebody that you didn't have to make millions of dollars. You're just slowly just tucking it away, tucking away, tucking away. And then all of a sudden it's like this big empire. So it could be, it could be worth nothing though. You know, (laughs) hopefully not. Yeah. It could be at zero next month. But so I think, you know, I think so far it's doing good, but yeah. Well, thanks for sharing your story, man. No worries, man. Keep killing. You guys are tearing it up here.